If you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to Daniel chapter 12. We are finishing up our series in Daniel uh, this morning. Uh, we started it this summer, and um, Shannon covered most of the fun parts, and he left all the other stuff to us. <laughs> and so I'm not upset, but just, uh, just mentioning it. Uh, but we'll be in Daniel chapter 12 as we kind of finish out this series in Daniel and as we move into our Advent series uh, next week. Uh, but let me read Daniel chapter 12. Um, it's not as uh, long as Daniel chapter 11, but um, so I'm just going to read through the whole thing and then we'll kind of uh, dive in. If you don't have a Bible, it should be on the screen behind me. So Daniel chapter 12 says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the books, the words, and the seal, and seal the book, until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream, and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering was taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 13,335 days, but go your way till the end. And you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the, at the end of the days. And so one of the uh, problems of kind of walking through or chopping up the uh, uh, different books, really, but specific, specifically in Daniel, chopping it up chapter by chapter is some themes span multiple chapters. And so it's kind of hard to sometimes get the full context of uh, maybe chapter 12 without kind of understanding what's going on in the other uh, chapters prior to it. So if you actually read Daniel especially this section of it, Daniel chapter 10 all the way through 12 is actually one revelation that God gives Daniel. Uh, and so uh, one of the things that um, uh, you'll notice as you read is it's, it's, it's actually just one uh, big uh, revelation and that is split up into three chapters. It begins in chapter 10 uh, where we see Daniel is in distress and we'll look at why he's in distress, but it says that he's in distress as he's seeing all this revelation that God opens for him. And then in 11, we looked at some of the details of this prophecy that God reveals to him. And then Daniel chapter 12 kind of concludes this 
revelation or, or this vision that God that he that Daniel is seeing um, in the middle of his uh, during this um, pr- prophetic revelation that he receives. So, um, so it's one of the things, that, one of those things that I, I, I if I pull from different. Um, earlier passages, that's really one of the reasons I'm doing that, is to give full context of what's happening in Daniel chapter 12. And the other thing, I mean, if it isn't obvious, Daniel chapter 10 through 12 and maybe Daniel chapter 7 are quite different from the other, the rest of Daniel, right? You've probably heard, uh, um, if you've been in Sunday school, about Daniel and the lion's den and Dan- uh, Daniel's three friends being thrown in the furnace and uh, the handwriting on the wall. But very uh, likely didn't haven't heard anything about beasts and kingdoms and you know uh, um, people standing clothed in linen in in Sunday school and so but one of the things I do want to mention is though those areas are cryptic it's important to recognize that just as much as the disobedience and the consequences of those disobedience of the earlier portions uh, are are testament or a lesson for us these sections of Daniel are also relevant to us. Um, because they tell us uh, they tell us more about what God is up to, what God is doing, and as Daniel is, uh, it's revealed to Daniel what God is up to. It is a good reminder for us uh, as we spend time in this to not neglect it or to say, "Well, I'm not sure what's going on." Now, um, granted, it is a little bit cryptic, but um, I think with enough, um, there's enough in packed into those passages that I think we can uh, learn from, and I hope you'll stick with me as we kind of unpack what uh, Daniel is um, seeing in Daniel chapter 12. So a little bit of context right before we jump into 12. So um, Daniel's about 80 years old, probably into his, uh, well into his 80s at this point. So if you remember, he's brought into Babylon with his friends and his uh, um, families uh, while he's a teenager. And now um, well into his 80s, um, he finds himself uh, still in Babylon and he is, uh, he's in distress, and that's what we read in Daniel chapter 10. Uh, it's not on the screen, but I'll just read quickly. Uh, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2, it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. Uh, and so why, why is Daniel in distress? Well, Daniel, um, as, he, as he and his friends lived through Babylon, uh, as, as for most of their lives, wa- was convinced that by this point in his life that him and his family and the rest of the Jews would be able to go back to um, Jerusalem, that they would be able to be gathered in one nation, uh, so, uh, worship God together, uh, the one true God, and not have to deal with all of the idols of Babylon. Uh, but what Daniel's is, what's revealed to Daniel in these visions that, uh, that spans the th- these three chapters um, tells him that the captivity is actually far from over, uh, and that that is that makes him uh, that finds uh, that makes him sad, and he's concerned, and he's he's he keeps asking questions, and we will look at the questions that he asks in chapter 12. But we see that um, you know so that's in Daniel chapter 10. He sees this vision in 11. We uh, Steve covered a little bit about the kingdoms that show up. Uh, we see the different kings that show up, and they continue to persecute the Jewish people. Um, we, we, um, we know most of uh, Daniel chapter 11 points to Antiochus, who was a uh, Greek king that uh, destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and set up a Zeus statue and asked the uh, Jews to worship this uh, statue. And when they did not, he martyred them. Uh, and he did this every day. 
so that the Jewish people would see uh, what it meant to be disobedient to, uh, to him. And so as, you, um, as Daniel is seeing all this in Daniel chapter 10 and 11, uh, he, he recognizes that it's going to be bad for a while for not only him, but also for the people that are living in uh, Jerusalem. So the, uh, the, the piece that uh, kind of comes together in uh, 10 and 11 and a little bit into 12 is that Daniel is seeing a vision or an image of what the human condition looks like. When evil people get together and, and, uh, um, and um, pursue ungodly uh, measures, but also look to worship their own, um, own selves and are narcissistic, we find that they become beasts. And oftentimes that's why in the book of Daniel, in especially uh, chapter 11, they, these kingdoms are referred to as beasts because they don't uh, behave like human beings as they were designed to. They disobey God and they push their godless agendas um, and thus they behave like beasts. And so one of the things that we need to remember as we kind of look through this, um, as we mainly looked at last week, it's important to remember that these are not just um, hypotheticals, that these um, events that are mentioned in 10 and 11 actually point to actual events that uh, happened in, um, in history. And so uh, before we look at chapter 12, one of the things that I wanted to kind of mention is as we think about what is the relevance of Daniel chapter 10, 11, and 12 to us today. So um, Daniel's given all this revelation, things happen, and now we're on the other side of it. So what's, why is Daniel chapter 10, 11, and 12 relevant to us? Well, it's important to remember not only uh, did the people after coming after Daniel, the Jewish people, they found a lot of strength and comfort in reading Daniel chapter 11, uh, 10, 11, and 12, because for them, it reminded them that no matter how oppressive of a king they lived under, that God was ultimately in control. They draw, drew strength that this, that this was not an ever, um, everlasting uh, situation, that God will, God will redeem them in his time. And they continued to draw, draw strength from it, continued to draw hope from it, as they read these words that were given to Daniel. This is true even for the early Christians. At that point, the, uh, the beastly kingdom was Rome. As Rome persecuted the Jewish people, uh, they looked to Daniel's uh, writings of Daniel and this revelation that was given to him um, to find strength, to persevere, to continue to uh, worship God, to keep their eyes fixed on it. So just like the early church and uh, the early Jewish people, we too, as we look around our own situations, I just mentioned the persecuted church, but just looking around the different uh, situations that we find ourselves, often beastly in nature, um, we too can draw courage and inspiration and hope from reading Daniel's words because it tells us who really is in control. So let's look at what Daniel sees here in Daniel chapter 12 because one of the questions that Daniel's wrestling with, the generations after him have wrestled with, and what we will wrestle with as we look at this and read this passage is what hope is there for God's people? And how is all of this evil going to end? What hope is there for God's people? And so if you're taking notes, here's the kind of the first big theme. And by the way, I'm not going to talk about everything that's in Daniel chapter 12. Some of it's a cop-out. I, I uh, apologize, but some of it's just not lack of time. But I want to just mention two big themes. One big theme that we see here is that Daniel is given the promise of a resurrection. Daniel is given a promise of resurrection. Look at verses 1 and 2. 
It says, at that time shall rise Michael, the great prince who was in charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been, excuse me, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. What Daniel uh, is seeing here and what, what's revealed to him is that while the kingdoms of this world march through, thinking that they're in control, that they're powerful, uh, God assures Daniel that in spite of this chaos, in spite of these evil kings th- that, arise, that, carry, that are carrying out their own agenda, one, God will deliver his people and he will raise them from the dust. God will deliver his people and raise them from the dust. These are the, this is the assurance that Daniel is given as the first part of chapter 12. And Daniel sees that God will not only end the march of these evil kingdoms, these beastly kingdoms, but he will wake up those who are in the dust. And some will be raised to everlasting life and some to everlasting condemnation. Okay, I need your help here. When you hear about this this phrase, that many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, what does that remind you of? What other portion of the Bible does that uh, remind you of? Say, I need your help. Go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, it uh, harkens back to Genesis chapter 3. Because in Genesis chapter 3, um, we see, we see uh, the man is disobedient, right? Um, Adam and Eve have unleashed evil. And, and in Genesis chapter 3, verses 19, I'll quickly read it. It should be on the screen. Don't, don't worry about turning there, but I'll read it. It says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so God pronounces judgment here to Adam uh, and, and essentially all of mankind for their disobedience. And he tells them that one of the consequences of their sin, of their disobedience, uh, from, uh, of, uh, disobedience to God, is that mankind will go back to dust. And, so, and God you know, informs this to uh, um, uh, Adam and Eve uh, and the serpent, actually, uh, in Genesis chapter 3. And because of this, if God were to redeem mankind, if, if God were to uh, raise, the, raise man from, from the dust, he has to defeat the ultimate enemy, which is death. And so what Daniel is being shown here by by uh, when he's told that those that sleep in the dust will awake, what, what, uh, what he's being told is that um, the curse that was put on man and our creation will be broken uh, when, God, when God finally judges the nations. And so uh, one of the things that we, uh, you know, can speculate is, like, what does that look like, you know? You've probably, if you've probably seen enough end-time movies, uh, you've probably seen, uh, you know, everything from rapture and people disappearing and all that fun stuff, and uh, it's fun to speculate, but I'm not going to speculate today for the sake of time, but um, one of the things that, uh, the, the, key, the key thing, though, that we can take away from here is that oh, Daniel is told that the kingdoms will be defeated, these evil kingdoms that have oppressed the Jewish people, that death will be defeated, and that those who belong to God will enjoy everlasting life with him, and lastly, that those who choose to reject him and live apart from God 
will continue in the state of condemnation. Now, talking about eternal condemnation is not Hallmark stuff, right? Right before Christmas. Uh, but it is a reality that is painted in Scripture for us. And it is actually really, as the, it's painted as the only option for those people that want to live apart from God. Right? Understand that eternal condemnation will not be a surprise for anyone. That eternal separation from God is actually God's provision for people that don't want to live under God's rule. God has a problem because He's everywhere. He has to segment a portion of creation so we can choose to be without Him if that's the decision we, decide, we make. So eternal separation from God is actually God's provision for people that don't want to live under God's rule. So one of the things, as we, as we think about this, as we think about this revelation that Daniel is receiving, uh, is, is for us to remind ourselves that the trajectory of our whole life, whether it is living under God's rule or whether it's living as an enemy to God, will determine our trajectory after death. And that God will b- raise b- all uh, of mankind from the dust but some it will be to everlasting life, and to some it will be to everlasting contempt. And so the, the first kind of theme that Daniel is seeing here in Daniel chapter 12 is, again, that God will destroy evil, that he will raise the dead, some to eternal life and some to eternal condemnation. That brings us to the second theme that I want to mention today, and that is that God assures judgment for the wicked and inheritance for the faithful. God assures judgment for the wicked and inheritance for the faithful. What is that? What is what is what is uh, Daniel seeing here? Look, if you look at verses five through thirteen again, there's some cryptic language here. Um, but one of the things that we we notice here uh, again, um, some of it has to do with when will these things take place, and because those those are the questions that Daniel asks, and we'll look at these two questions here in a minute. But one of the things that we have to remember, again, is without getting into all the controversies and interpretations that are out there, the first point, really, that we have to uh, look at or we have to remind ourselves is that without a shadow of doubt, Daniel is assured that God will judge the wicked and that the faithful in God will receive their inheritance. And we may not understand all the times and the seasons and everything there is to understand, but one thing we can be certain, that God will judge the wicked and uh, he, will, he has reserved an inheritance for his people. So look at, let's look at uh, these two questions that Daniel, Daniel raises before diving into them. The first question we see is in Daniel chapter, oh, sorry, Daniel 12, uh, verses 6, the second part of 6. He says, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And so what Daniel is asking here uh, is basically saying, is asking, God, how long do we need to wait? How long do I, need, do, do I and my people and the people that will come after me have to suffer? And so Daniel chapter 7, um, we see uh, him asking this question to, um, uh, let me read that real quick. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 7, he says, And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times and a half a time. What's going on here? So uh, Daniel, if I were to paraphrase, uh, is, is standing by the stream, and he, uh, on both sides he has these two be- angelic beings standing. 
uh, and it says that they're standing above the waters, but a better translation is probably just that they were upstream from him. And so it's almost like they're standing and looking down time, and he asks this being who's further down, asks this being, when will this end? When will this end? And this being um, raises both hands, and that, again, raising one hand was a sign of an oath or a promise. Raising both hands was a sign that this was assured, that this was definitely going to happen. And so um, what Daniel uh, is is, being, is is asking is like, how long, how much longer do we need to wait? Before we look at the answer to that question, let's look at Daniel, the second question that Daniel raises. Uh, and, and we see that in, da- in Daniel chapter, uh, in the same chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 8, the second part of it, it says, Oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? So not only how long will it be, but what is the end? What, what, what do we need to look forward to? And the answer to those questions is in verse 13. In verse 13, Daniel records, But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted places at the end of the days. That, again, is language going back to the Jewish people that were promised that when they came into the promised land, they would have uh, allotted plots of land uh, as an inheritance. So it kind of is what, what that the Jewish reader would have taken. For us as believers, what is, what is, how do we, how do we uh, translate this? Um, at the, again, indispu- what is indisputable here is that sin won't have the last word, but God will. Sin won't have the last word, but God will. The beastly kingdoms won't prevail forever because God will destroy them and he will redeem his faithful. What Daniel is told to those two questions of when will this end and what is the outcome is um, the outcome is certain and the, but the ti- and the timing is in God's hands. He says, we know the outcome and it is certain, but the timing is in God's hands. And so as God is, uh, as, as this revelation is being revealed to him, Daniel is uh, given some, uh, some time, uh, some description of time but at the, end, at the end of this revelation, what he's told is, uh, go your way. And I'll, I'll kind of unpack that a little bit. But he says, but know that the outcome is certain, even though the timing is in God's hands. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's the end of Daniel. What, what, does that, what does this revelation mean to me? What do I need to do about this? Or how do I respond to this? Or how do we need to respond to this in light of these promises and revelations that Daniel sees. But if you, if you were to look around, you know, you may say, well, these beastly kingdoms still seem to be, um, you know, kind of doing their own thing. You know, these godless kingdoms that uh, choose to rule and reign um, against God's will. And so what are we to make of this? Uh, because if you turn to the, uh, flip over to the New Testament, and you don't have to, I'm just going to turn to Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, as we think about the Christmas story, we're reminded of another uh, beastly king, Herod. Right? Herod, in chapter 2 and verse 16, when he hears about this king who is, go- who is born and who's going to, uh, who he assumes will uh, dethrone him, uh, asks the wise man to tell him where he may go worship the king. But the, uh, we, you know the story, the wise men are told take a different route, and Herod is angry, 
And in verse 16 it says, But then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that had, he had ascertained from the wise men. I mean, I don't know if that's not beastly, what is, right? This unnecessary evil, unnecessary tragedy that takes place because one person, one evil person decides that they want to run life and run, run the world the, the way they do. But again, we know how the story goes. Herod fails to kill the baby that um, becomes, that grows up. Uh, who am I talking about? Jesus, okay, right, Sunday school answer, right? Uh, God only, not only preserves this baby, but this baby, we find, find out, is the great hope of Daniel. I told you that I would give one interpretation that I favored from Daniel, and that's this. Uh, I think Daniel chapter 12 is actually pointing to the time that Jesus uh, shows up on the scene in the New Testament. And in an unusual an amazing twist of events, we learn that a new king has arrived on scene. And he shows up in the most unexpected way. I mean, I don't know about you, but when you read Daniel chapter uh, 12, and, you know, 10, 11, and 12, or when those Jewish readers read Daniel chapter 10, and 11, and 12, they read about Nebuchadnezzar, and they read about Darius, and Cyrus, and Antiochus, and, uh, you know, when they heard about Alexander the Great with their large armies, and then they uh, looked at Jesus, they were like, this is not computing, right? Weren't you? I don't know, when you read Daniel 10, 11, and 12, what you were thinking about, what this king would look like. But look at what, uh, how um, it, this verse should be on the, on the screen, but look at how Jesus shows up and what he tells his first uh, listeners in Mark chapter 1, which is um, 14, um, Mark writes, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. But it turns out that this is the hope of Daniel that the world has been waiting for. We explored this theme of the kingdom of God in our Sunday morning Bible studies a few weeks ago. Uh, and I won't rehash all of it. But Jesus comes on the scene and he proclaims that a kingdom of God is now available to his listeners. We find out that the end of the violent and evil kingdoms that were uh, proclaimed in Daniel was the arrival of a new king and his kingdom. So the end of those evil kingdoms was the arrival of this new kingdom. Again, but nobody expected, or I don't even think Daniel would have expected this. Uh, but we have to ask the question, what kind of kingdom is this? Because when Jesus describes his kingdom, what are some of the things that he compares it to? Uh, in one place, he, in a parable about the mustard seed, he compares his kingdom to a mustard seed. And in another place, he compares the kingdom of God to a lump of leaven. That's yeast. I don't know about you. I mean, weapons and armies... Mustard seed and yeast, right? Could you pick a more unsubstantial thing to compare to these evil kingdoms? Ima like, I mean, just imagine the scene with me. You're a Jew living under the Roman oppression, 
uh, and you walk, you're walking to, um, you know, going about your day one day, and you listen to this guy preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand, and that it's now available to any but all his listeners. As you look around, you see the Romans dressed in full armor and their weapons and their oppressive tactics. Uh, and as you listen to this, your ears perk up. You lean in. It's like, oh, that's, that's new. Is this the king that Daniel promised? Is this the king that Isaiah promised? Is this our Messiah that who's going to come and rescue us from the Romans? And as you lean in closer, you hear this king being described as a mustard seed. And you are, I don't know about you, but I'm not the first one to sign up to be part of this kingdom. Right? As you look at the Romans and that's who's going to overthrow the Romans, so I don't think it would be an understatement to say that the early Jew, as he's listening to Jesus preach this message, recognized how bizarre it would have been. This is not what they were expecting. And I hope that gives you a little bit of a picture of how Jesus' message, as he shows up on scene, is quite different from what Daniel expected would happen. He knew it would happen. He knew the outcome was certain, but he didn't, exp- didn't realize how it was going to happen. But one of the beautiful things, as you kind of think about it, is think about where these armies and these empires are now. Nebuchadnezzar came and went. Darius came and went. Cyrus came and went. The Persian armies came and went. The Egyptians came and went. Greece and Alexander the Great came and went. Antiochus came and oppressed and went. And then Rome came and went. Where would you go to find these empires now? Maybe an archaeological site or a museum. But God's kingdom is still active, still present, and still growing. And God's kingdom started with, uh, with his crucifixion. Uh, God's kingdom starts spreading with his crucifixion and his message to go out into the, the world. And starts in this remote place in Jerusalem as it spreads out into the entire world. It's like wildfire just spreading across the world. It's unstoppable, and it, it is spreading to the ends of the earth. And as a citizen, as a, as a, as a believer, uh, and if you, if you have submitted your life to Jesus, you are a citizen of this kingdom. And the, its citizen list is growing exponentially. As we think about uh, where the gospel has reached, everywhere from communist China to Africa, to, the, uh, to India, to South America, to, to the countries in the West, this gospel has reached its massive, massively, has uprooted all of the kingdoms and outlasted all of the kingdoms that oppressed its people. God's plan worked. Amen? So even as we, in our own day, again, as we think about what does this mean for me, as we look at oppressive kingdoms, as we just prayed about the persecuted uh, brothers and sisters, as we think about our own difficulties and our own uh, battles that we fight, because remember, these, these are not just external kingdoms. Our own lives, uh, and I've, I've talked about this before, how you have a kingdom too. It is everything that God has given you control and dominion, dominion over. It might be your family, your home, your job. This is what God's asked you to rule over. And as you surrender to God, you're asking, God is asking you to rule those areas the way he would do it. And so if you're a believer, you're a citizen of this kingdom. And God's kingdom is slowly taking over. And we live in this tension, again, 
I don't, I don't want to uh, skip over this point. We live in this tension of that God's kingdom is here, but it's not fully here yet. We're still living in this tension just like Daniel did, right? Just like Daniel and his friends did while they were faithful in, to their duties as, uh, um, as, people, uh, as people who lived in, the, in Babylon, but they never were unfaithful to their God. They, they wrestled with the tension of being faithful um, faithful to the citizens of Babylon while still living faithful to God. As they, you could describe as being, um, being in Babylon, but not being off Babylon. Just as we, God asks, uh, the, the scriptures ask us to be in the world, but not off the world. And so what do we, how do we need to move into, how do we lean, in, lean into this truth? Uh, and the way we lean into this truth is to learn us, live as exiles ourselves, in the nation that we live in, in the communities that we live in, just like Daniel and his friends. When Daniel is asked to go, go your way, what he's being asked to do is just be faithful in what God's asked you to do. Just keep doing what you've been doing. You've been faithful, continue to do that. And I think that is the message for us today too, is to continue to live faithfully in the areas that God's called us to do, called us to be in, whether it's our jobs, our businesses, schools, colleges, gyms, churches, communities, Wherever we find ourselves, we need to keep in mind that we're citizens of this kingdom and that our hope is in him. No matter what's happening around us, what circumstances are, arise, remind ourselves that our hope is not in that everything will work out, but that God is the king and we live in his kingdom and that we're citizens of this kingdom. We, as, as we kind of lean into this, uh, the other thing that comes to mind is we need to remember to keep our hope fixed on Him. I know as, as believers, you know, we all um, go through ups and downs in our faith, but one of the things that we learn from Daniel is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and this King as we run our race. Right? We need to surrender our desires, our decisions, our difficulties, wherever we find ourselves into this King's hands. And remember that he will come through, that he is in control, and that he ultimately will bring to pass his will. And that he, as, as, and just as we are citizens of his kingdom, he is our king, and that he will provide and preserve uh, what he uh, preserve us as his as his citizens. And we don't want to run our kingdoms our own way. And that's the lesson, the other lesson that we take away, right? Um, we need to surrender daily and die to our own selves and learn to live as citizens of this new kingdom. And just a word, if you're not a believer or are not part of this kingdom, or not sure if you are, I would love to talk to you. I'll be in the back after this uh, service. Uh, or if you want to fill out this card, fill out a card and put it in the box, one of us uh, elders will contact you. I would love to talk about any questions you may have about the sermon or about Jesus. But remember that we don't just neglect what uh, uh, God reveals to Daniel, because it is relevant to us as today, even as we live in the midst of a, uh, of, a na- of a of a of a of kingdoms that are opposed to God, as we learn to learn to be faithful to Jesus in our present circumstances. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and this. Uh, series on Daniel. I know it's been helpful for me to just as a reminder of what it means to live as exiles in our world. 
that is not does that doesn't always follow you that remember that as as citizens of God's kingdom that I need to learn to live my life according to you and not declare independence from you that I surrender my decisions my difficulties my desires and have them submitted to you so at the end of the day you're in control and you will bring this to pass we pray as we kind of move into this uh time of the lord's supper we pray that you continue to give us grace as we remember the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us so that we could be part of this kingdom not because of anything good we've done but because of the sacrifice you made on the cross and the blood that you shed so that we by your grace through faith can be part of this kingdom just like you pointed to the children and how they unassumingly come into uh celebrate and uh, be part of this kingdom help us to to be like little children to come before you with grace and humility and trust you help us to be faithful in the areas that you've called us to be that we don't just neglect those and wait for a better time in the future but know that your kingdom has come now and that you've placed us as citizens of this kingdom so that we may bring this good news to the people that we interact with in the places that we um we spend time that you have you've called us to be salt and light in these areas that it's not meant to be that we're not as Christians waiting for a retirement plan we're not waiting to be just be in heaven where there won't be trouble but rather that your kingdom is spreading now and we want to participate in that we ask that you give us the grace to do that we ask all of this in Jesus name amen